Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Ole Miss baseball color analyst and career hits leader, Brad Henderson. We're going to talk some baseball in the program today, but first, I want to thank our partners with the Oxford Park Commission. OPC is currently registering for adult flag football. That's ages 16 and up. Feel like a kid in the backyard again with the Oxford Sport and Social Club. This version is four on four, maximum 10 on a roster. Team captains will pick their players and submit them to the Oxford Park Commission. Cost per team is $125. The season opener is Monday, March the 1st, and the season will run through April the 5th. They'll take a week off for spring break. All games will be played at M-Trade Park. Visit OxfordParkCommission.com to register by February the 25th. Brad Henderson, how are you, man? It's good to see you. It's good to see you, Parrish. So what were the roads like getting to the office? Snowy, snowy, but I've got a four-wheel drive, and it, it was fine. Yesterday, uh, many of the main roads, they had cleared off, so I hope I hope today that they'll do the same, but um, again, we just ask people to stay in. You know, if you, if you don't have to get out, don't get out. Yeah, well, um, tell us about Alpha Insurance now. When you're asking people to stay in, have you had claims or they're bursting pipes? Uh, is this a busy time for you? Yeah, it is a busy time. We're, we're fortunate, knock on wood. I came in yesterday and uh, had 27 missed calls, and luckily only one was a claim, and it was a uh, a snow claim on a on a covered patio type deal that the snow just kind of caved it in so we've been fortunate so far as far as uh auto accidents haven't haven't had many but i know people are itching to get back out they're tired of being cooped up inside so uh you know we, we just pray that everybody stays safe but i will say here at alpha that's one thing we kind of hang our hat on is our claim service parish and we've got two really good adjusters right down the road from us so, you know i can Used to could probably throw a baseball and hit their office. I can't anymore, but I can certainly walk over there and visit with them anytime <laughs> I need them. Brad, what is the uh, procedure? Uh, just, I mean, we're, of course, everyone's being asked to uh, stay home and stay off the roads, but just uh, uh, when people have a claim and everybody wants to uh, get restored as quickly as possible, what's uh, what would be your advice to people uh, uh, when they're trying to reach an agent with anybody these days? Well, I would say, first off, re reach out to your agent first. Don't just call. M most companies are going to have a 1-800 number on the back of their business card or on their door. And But but the minute you file a claim, whether they pay, whether you pay it or not pay it, if you have to meet your deductible, don't meet your deductible, it's going to go on your record. So what I'm saying is call your agent first and, and let him look at your deductible. I'll give you an example real fast. Let's say you have a, a, a busted pipe and, and your deductible, let's say, is a $2,000 deductible. Call me first because I can call somebody to come look at it, not alpha related, an actual plumber. And if, and if it only costs, if it's only going to cost you $1,000 to get it fixed, you're not going to make your deductible. So there'd be no reason to file a claim and that go on your file. So I would say reach out to your agent first and, and you guys walk through it together. Brad, how can people reach you, man, if they're interested in some uh, alpha insurance? Call me at 662-236-1575, Parrish. That sounds good. I know that uh, uh, the storm has moved uh, the college baseball showdown uh, back a day, and it's uh, moved your travel plans back a day. But uh, what's 
Uh, what, what, you know, how, how are you getting there? What's that going to look like for you? Really slowly. Uh, I do know that. So I'm going to give myself an extra couple hours to get to Memphis tomorrow. I fly out tomorrow afternoon, straight flight into Dallas. Knock on wood, you know, the, the, the problem is not so much getting to Memphis, getting on an airplane. It's what are you going to walk into once you get to Dallas? Who's going to have power? Uh, who's going to have hotel rooms still available? Um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing now uh, a lot of these hotels are, are filling up fast because people at home who don't have power, they're going to stay in hotels. So, you know, just so many question marks right now. And it just looks like if we can get to Friday or Saturday where the weather gets back up in the 40s and 50s, maybe we can see the the, the light at the end of the tunnel. But so many unknowns, you know. Now, the, the radio team, uh, are you guys staying at the team hotel or separately? Uh, Richard Cross is, is staying separately. Uh, originally, I believe he was going to go with his family and then kind of make a little trip out of it. I, I don't know that that's going to happen now, but he has booked a hotel elsewhere. I am staying with the team there in Arlington uh, at the same hotel. We're about a mile and a half from the park. Uh, I spoke to the hotel yesterday. Our rooms were still good. I'm just trying to add a room uh, for Monday night so I, so I can fly out Tuesday. Originally, I was going to fly out Monday because the tournament's over Sunday, but now they pushed it back a day. And so I'm, I'm trying to get one more hotel room, one more hey, night. Is, um, is Globe Life Field at the same location as the ballpark at Arlington? It is. It's all in that area, you know, right around Cowboys Stadium. Uh, it, it seems like it's just all one big parking lot, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, it, it is in that same general area. Now, whether they replaced, I, I don't know if it sits right on where the old ballpark used to be, but yeah, it's all in that in that area where Cowboys Stadium and, and the old Rangers ballpark. Well, we'll get a report on uh, on the geographics of that uh, when you when when you come back. Um, are you going to ride uh, ride the Texas uh, Twister or whatever it is at Six Flags? Or you think Six Flags is open? <laughs> I will not be participating in that. I can promise you that. I will tell you what. Uh, Six Flags may be iced out, but in 2009, when I was there for the Cotton Bowl, it wasn't. And uh, we had like a, a nice day there. Uh, they opened up Six Flags, and it was the day before the game. It was sunny and uh, temps in you know, maybe the upper 40s or something. It was uh, – pretty cool. I was able to take the family to that. So that was kind of neat. I, I don't think it's going to be the same for you, at least not on this trip. So, <laughs> hey, let's talk baseball, Brad. Um, Mike told us, uh, Mike Bianco told us he was going to be without uh, a couple of players uh, when we spoke to him earlier in the week. Trey LaFleur, uh, we knew about uh, shoulder injury. Uh, he's going to miss the weekend. And, and suddenly that uh, looks more important than maybe it did on uh, Monday, LaFleur had been hitting really well and uh, was going to get some at-bats. He was definitely going to play, but um, we were also told about a, a positive COVID case in, well, Mike Bianco was not able to name because of uh, privacy measures, Kale Baker at first base. That is That has been reported uh, since then by uh, the Ole Miss Spirit, I believe, and, and, uh, and rivals.rebelgrove.com. So, so Kale's name is out there. Looks like he's not uh, going to be available. Uh, what do you think that? Uh, what does that do at first base? Because before the Lafleur injury, you just plug him in. I mean, sure. you just, you plug in your sure. your backup who was playing well. 
Um, now it makes uh, Mike Bianco, Mike Bianco push some buttons. He's got to got to do some coaching here. That's right. I, I, I think his number one option is probably going to be to bring Kevin Graham in from the outfield. He, he's a natural first – came here as a first baseman, has played some first here. Uh, I, I think that's his number one option. Uh, number two would be to move Tim Elko back to first base. Uh, I did have a chance to speak with Coach yesterday, and they're really excited about Tim playing third base. Um, so I think that – I'm not going to say Tim's not going to go to first base, but I'll be surprised. Just it would be like saying last year, hey, we're going to move Tyler Keenan to first base. I think they feel that comfortable with Tim at third, penciling him in every day at third base. Now, obviously, it's going to, you know, it's going to, the, the factor is going to be, or is the opposing team going to throw a lefty righty? Mike likes to play the matchup game. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to have that much luxury this weekend with two of his first basemen out. Now, I don't know, Trey LaFleur, he did take some ground balls yesterday inside and, and worked on some some uh, just, just playing catch. And he was a little limited on high throws, Parrish. He's, he's got a strap. Uh, but, but he was able to play. So the, I, I don't know that they fully ruled him out, but my guess is if, if Kevin Graham can get off to a good start, and play really good defense, that they will probably give Trailer Floor another weekend off just to get better. Well, you know what? Uh, I think he could use another weekend if he's limited at all, because then you run the risk of aggravating the injury and making it worse uh, if, if something were to happen. We've seen Graham play first base. I think he's, you know, I think he certainly can handle himself defensively there. Uh, they, they like how he hit uh, in the fall and in the spring. Maybe he'll get off to a good start. Uh, but certainly moving him in creates an opening in the outfield. Uh, who are some possibles to jump into the lineup now? I'll tell you, when, when you were going to move, you talk about the, the Tim Elko possibility, which sounds a lot less now. Uh, I was kind of uh, interested to see T.J. McCants jump in there somewhere, uh, this uh, athletic freshman we've heard so much about. But uh, who, who are the possibles now in the outfield? Well, I, I think you go back to, uh, you know, he'll be a sophomore this year, uh, Cage Sammons, mm -hmm. who played some last year, uh, kind of a smaller type guy, can really, really run, uh, just never really got it going last year offensively, but but very limited action too. Uh, I know they were real high on him, uh, and I think he'll get multiple opportunities this year. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to say it, John Rice Plumlee. Uh, <laughs> he's had a phenomenal spring. I know he and Coach Clem have worked quite a bit. And if you'd have told me I'd have said that last year at this time, you know, it, it would – I wouldn't believe I'd be saying it right now. But uh, he's – the kid's just a – he's just a winner. He, he's just a phenomenal worker, teammate. Uh, I'm not saying it's translating yet to this level, but uh, he is light years ahead of where he was last year at this time. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, we, we've seen the athleticism, and, and so it's so hard, uh, Brad, when you get a mental picture on a guy uh, after a season, even even as just a freshman. I mean, I know these guys develop, and I know they improve, but when you only see them on game days, you get a mental picture of this guy was really good, this guy was a producer, they can count on him, this guy struggled, uh, success is a lot more erratic, uh, and, and you know it. Uh, unfortunately, John Rice last year fell into that latter uh, category there. How is he different? Uh, what What are you hearing about him that uh, 
that uh, gives you this confidence to uh, mention him as a possible starter? Well, I think they've just simplified things offensively. I, I think when he and, and Jerry on Ely both came on board last year, obviously they didn't get there until the spring. And but at that point, there's not a whole lot of coaching you can do to correct or, or you know, you're just kind of – I feel like they were just kind of thrown out there to uh, – let, let's see what you can do just strictly on natural ability. Uh, but I know John Rice has, has been – Early, he stayed late working with Clem, and they just tried to simplify some things as far as just being on time. Hey, if you're going to miss, you know, you're going to swing at some bad pitches. If you swing in a breaking ball, so be it. But don't miss a three-one fastball that's belt high because you're worried about swinging at a at a at a nasty breaking ball. You know, they just tried to simplify the game and slow it down for him. And naturally, uh, second year into it, the game is going to be a little bit slower to him, but. Regardless if he hits or doesn't hit, you know athletically he's going to be really good in the outfield, really good on the base pass. And like I said, he's just a really good teammate as well. So I, I just wouldn't rule him out yet. I mean, the kid's a winner, and it just seems like when you – it's kind of like Tom Brady. When you bet against him, he just kind of bites you in the butt, Parrish. You say don't miss the 3-1 fastball that's belt high because you're thinking about a breaking ball. How much of hitting at this level is guesswork? I mean, we talk about pitch recognition. I, I know that's what, how I was taught to hit back uh, at, at eight years old, okay? But uh, how much of this is I, I'm, I'm really trying to guess what pitch is coming? Well, I don't know if it's so much guessing which pitch is coming, but I, I think when kids figure it out, it, it's, it's – you're not trying to hit both pitches. That, that's, that's When you get in a hitter's count, expect a fastball and don't miss it. If they throw a breaking ball, so be it. For me, it was I wasn't going to miss the fastball. And when I became pretty good as a hitter, it was I recognized the curveball. I knew I couldn't hit the curveball, so I just didn't swing at the curveball. You know, my freshman year, I swung at every one of them. And then I just learned to not swing at them. And and I've heard David DeLucci say the same thing, you know, that the best hitters just hit fastballs. And and it's true. Uh, Eventually, when you get to two strikes, you've got to make some adjustments. But I I think kids coming out of high school or or new here – they're so worried about looking bad on, on a breaking ball that they're not on time for a fastball. And, and so they're just caught in the middle. They're a little late on a fastball, too early on a breaking ball. And then, you know, once you start the one for 15 run, then, then it gets in your head and, and it's just a, a slippery slope from there. All right. What's the key to recognizing the breaking ball? Uh, well, number one is arm slot, you know, where, where they're coming from, uh, just, a lot of people say they can see the spin of the ball. I couldn't see the spin of the ball. I was just hoping to see the angle of the ball as, as far as, you know, it, it dropping or, or you know, or, or left to right, you know. Um, but, again, I wasn't a very good breaking ball hitter. So, I just looked fastball until I got to two strikes and then tried to make adjustments. And uh, But on the flip side of that, if you threw a fastball and you threw it in the zone, I probably wasn't going to miss it either. So it's just one of those get really good at what you're good at and then learn to lay off of what you're not good at. You mentioned Cade Sammons as another possibility. He started some games in center field last year. They were really high on him at the beginning of last season. Uh, He evidently did not uh, recognize those breaking balls or he did not have the offensive numbers to really keep himself in the lineup. We've talked about how uh, Mike's going to play hitters. Um, is Cade different offensively right now? 
He is. He is. And again, it goes back to he's got another year under his belt. Uh, I, I think the one thing he brings is, is the small ball game, which we don't play a whole lot of. But uh, he's a table setter. He, but he is a true base stealer, which we don't have many true, probably green light guys where uh, obviously where, where Mike or, or Clem gives them the green light to go anytime they want. Basically, the only time they're not is they're just going to tell them when not to go. And uh, but he's a true green light base dealer, and uh, so he brings that element. But defensively, he's really good. But yeah, you know, Mike for the most part, he likes to hit the ball gap to gap, hit the ball out of the yard. Uh, and, and Cage, Cage can hit the ball gap to gap, but uh, you know, he swung it a lot better. But I just again, I think it's just another year of uh, seeing better arms, better pitching, and naturally you're going to get better uh, the more you see it, Parrish. Now, I, I like the idea of, uh, of, a, of another, another athletic guy, another speed guy uh, in the outfield. Um, what do you think? Uh, does, do they? What's your take on that? I mean, would you rather see the, the two big hitters uh, on the corner spots there and the center fielder with a little more responsibility in terms of range? Uh, how would you like to see the outfield set up? Yeah, I think they're going to go with the two bigger hitters. Uh, I, I just think is because we're so good on the mound that if we can just bang out some runs, you know, and then that may be five, that may be seven. Uh, I, I just think he's going to put an offensive team out there. We're really good offensively this year, one through nine. And I just don't think he wants to give up outs as far as off offense goes. And, and I'm not saying – that those guys are going to be automatic outs. But, yeah, if he can get a guy out there that can that maybe pop a three-run homer, it just gives us so much momentum. And uh, with, with that staff, I just think he's going to try and score as many runs as he can early and then just play defense late. All right, so opening up with uh, TCU Saturday at 3. It's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday event now. Uh, the home opener for Ole Miss is still Tuesday, Tuesday at 4 against Arkansas State, uh, right? You say they're they're not uh, not looking at moving that game, even though they're going to start a game on Monday at 3 in Arlington. That's going to be a quick turnaround to come back and play at home. It is, and that's going to be four games in a row, uh, and, and, and it'll be a challenge early on. And, and I, believe, uh, I believe Arkansas State's already been canceled uh, for the weekend, so we're going to see their best arms on Tuesday. So it'll be a real challenge. Uh, but again, I, these guys are just ready to play. It doesn't matter if it's TCU, Arkansas State. It doesn't matter. They're they're tired of playing against each other. They're tired of hitting in the cages. You know, it's it's if we're not ready now, we're not going to be ready. Long time uh, connection there for Mike Bianco and Jim Schlossnagel, uh, the TCU coach, going back to when they were assistant coaches uh, in Louisiana together. Schlossnagel at Tulane when. Um, Mike was at LSU, so they bumped up against one another uh, quite a bit. They're returning a lot, Brad, and I was just looking at uh, at some of the guys coming back on their roster, and I think the thing you have to be careful about right now is when you look at statistics uh, from any team from last year, nobody went through. Nobody went through conference pitching. So I look at TCU, and I see a 370, a 350, a 340, some some really nice uh, averages there, lots of guys coming back. But they had some sub-200 guys, too, in their uh, in their first nine. So maybe uh, maybe some holes there, maybe some guys that uh, you can have a little bit easier time with, make a mistake maybe uh, as a pitcher. 
But uh, one of the guys that jumped out hit about 350 last year, Gene Wood, uh, played at the played at Alabama. He's a fifth-year senior, was a graduate transfer last year at TCU. He's a Flowood native, went to Jackson Prep, and uh, and then went on to Tuscaloosa. Uh, he hit uh, 353 last year and 51 at bats. So he's another one. Uh, we, we see this at Ole Miss with the uh, the senior pitchers who all came back. He's another one who took advantage of the NCAA's uh, invitation to, hey, come on back. Come back for another year of eligibility. Uh, and so uh, I'm looking at him at first base. Uh, their second baseman, uh, Gray Rogers, uh, had a nice average last year as well. He hit uh, uh, 22 hits, five doubles, two home runs, 464 on base percentage. Uh, Hunter Wolf, their, their designated hitter, uh, also, uh, he was a, a 341 guy. Uh, Rogers up around 375. So uh, you know, they look like a, a very offensive team uh, coming back. Um, what kind of challenge do you think uh, we're going to see in, in, uh, from Doug Casey on uh, Saturday? Well, I mean, you can, it, you're looking basically at the same stats I am. And, and when you've got eight returners in your lineup, that, that's a challenge. And, uh, you know, any Jim Schlossnagel coach team is going to be really good. They're, they're, obviously nationally ranked and it, it'll be a real challenge for Doug. And, and like you say, the meat of that order with Wood and Wolf Rogers, you know, there's some pop there too. So, you know, it, it, but Doug won't do anything different. I mean, he's just got to go out there and attack the glove and, and just trust his defense. And, and I think he will. And then that, that's why he's our Friday guy. He's a strike thrower for the most part, but he's a competitor. And uh, you know, this won't be any, anything he hadn't seen before. So I, I expect Doug to be Doug come Saturday. Do you think he is a better strike thrower than he was in 2020? Sometimes it looked like sometimes he got in trouble uh, with walks last year, but I think that's where that competitive nature kicked in and he was uh, usually able to end the inning and, and pitch around and, and get out of it. He just wasn't somebody that, that you could string a big inning, uh, string a lot of hits together against. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's almost like his mentality is let, let's make this really tough and then I'm going to bear down and really make good pitches. And I don't know why some pitchers are that way. But when, when they get in a jam, which he allows himself to, sometimes with, with walks to get in, that's when he becomes really good. Now, obviously, as a pitching coach, you do not want that. But, uh, you know, that's just kind of when he buckles down. And I, I think he is more of a strike thrower this year. Um, but, again, it, like you say, he never digs himself a hole that's too deep that he can't get out of, Parrish. You know, I think about Brett Huber, and we used to laugh about him. You know, Brad, we used to laugh about all you guys in the press box. This guy, everybody <laughs> come up to the plate and we say, "Well, here's Henderson," and we tell a story. Okay, we'd have we'd have a Brad Henderson story, uh, an Alex Williamson story, a Bernie Hutchinson. All these guys come up, and we all all had stories. We laughed about uh, Brett Huber, and I can say this because he's been a guest on the program, so a good natured guy. But it was like uh, Brett would have a. a uh, he would re retire the side, but he'd face six batters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you, you know, something like that. But he was going to make the pitches to uh, to get out of the inning. So, uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there. Some guys seem to uh, have the stuff, have the right. stuff and, and make the pitches. Well, and I'll say this too, Parrish, and, and this is like most great pitchers. And uh, if you're going to get to Doug, you better get to him early. Because once he gets settled, he gets two or three innings in – and he starts to coast, then he becomes really, really good. And, and on the flip side, offensively, we'll have to do the same. We, we, we'll need to jump on 
on these guys, uh, Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, if you can jump on them early, you got a shot, but you let an ace or any weekend starter get going, it, it makes it really, really tough. Yeah, and uh, as far as getting tough, getting stronger as the game goes on, that was one of the strengths that we saw from Doug as a freshman pitching deep in games. Uh, Clemson in the regional. Yeah, I think he, he went deep in that Arkansas game in the Super. Uh, so he's shown that ability, and that's something that I know Mike wants to see from Gunnar Hoagland is, uh, is getting deeper into games, and it's odd that you're hearing that because it's Hoagland who has the reputation as the strike thrower, and it's usually those guys who last a little bit longer. What, what, what do you know about uh, just these, these top two guys in the rotation? What have you seen and heard from them uh, in, uh, in this uh, preseason practice? Well, the, obviously, the, all the accolades continue to come for both of those guys, Parrish. And, you know, you you, hit them, you, you nailed it when you were talking about Gunner. You know, his freshman year, that, that was his – it seems like he could get to the third and fourth inning, but once those offenses started seeing him two and three times through the lineup, he just didn't make it through there. And uh, I thought last year he was much, much better, getting you five, six, maybe seven innings, and he was just simply dominant. Uh, obviously – one of those was against Louisville, which was a really good outing. Um, I thought he threw really well against East Carolina, who was a really good team last year. But, uh, you know, the body of work's not much as far as SEC caliber type teams, but he'll get his shot Saturday against Texas. But no, I expect him to be that same guy that can get you six, seven innings on a weekend. You know, I remember uh, Gunner's starts as a freshman, and I remember hearing. Uh, Mike say things like get us under control and turn it over to the bullpen. And, and you, you can win like that, that, that can be a path, but I know it's not the preferred path. Uh, I know it was odd. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you watched the games. It, it was odd. It was like Mike was trying to get to the fourth inning, knowing he was fixing to go to this pen. And, and that was so odd, especially for a pitcher of this caliber uh, but he had just gotten in a rut of that. It just seemed that way every weekend, you know. So Mike just made a point to, hey, if we can get him to the fourth or fifth and he's had a great outing, we, we know we're going to turn it over to our pen. And it, it was just it, – it was odd to see because he is so gifted. So I was glad to see him get out of that last year and get you deeper in the games. Yeah, it's uh, – you can do that. That really stretches your bullpen. Uh, we know the bullpen is deep, but look – uh, you can talk about depth in a bullpen. You still want to use your best guys. You, you want to use your, your best guys as often as you can, and, and, and you want to hand them the ball in advantage situations whenever you can. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but sounds like, again, uh, really strong pitching uh, for Ole Miss this season. Those That is the expectation. We'll see. Hey, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. Big weekend. Uh, of Ole Miss baseball coming up Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and the college baseball showdown in Arlington. Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State writer, states also in the event will be there covering for the Daily Journal. So follow our coverage at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. Uh, lots of good things in the group there. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us. We'll be back Monday.